This election is a choice. This election will determine whether we can come together. This election is absolutely crucial. What's really important, of course, is 12 us in a giant straight-through rifle. Please explain. You're listening to the 4ZZZ Breaks the Election podcast. Hello, election watchers. Welcome to the 4ZZZ Breaks the Election podcast, where our newsroom breaks down what is happening in election for May 4, just 17 full campaigning days until the federal election. My name is Alexis. I'm the news coordinator here at 4ZZZ, and joining me in studio is the 4ZZZ newsroom. Hey, everyone. I'm Sarah. I am a student at QUT, and I study a double degree of laws and journalism. Hey, I'm Harry. I'm studying journalism at QUT. Hey, I'm Dan. I'm in my final year of journo at UQ. Excellent. And on today's um, podcast, Inland Rail for Labour, Voices to Parliament, A Bridge Over Troubled Waters in Mogul, and The Invisible Candidate. It's going to be fun. Okay, let's start at the top. What is happening with the Inland Rail? Harry. Earlier this week, Labour's infrastructure spokeswoman, Catherine King, confirmed that Labour will review Inland Rail if elected. King commented on concerns of the impact of the $14 billion plan, citing double-stacked trains coming through some of Brisbane's suburb and the large amount of trucks that will follow. Current plans for the project include a proposed 28-kilometre tunnel between Acacia Ridge Freight Centre and the Port of Brisbane, which Deloitte Economics estimates would cost a minimum of $2.8 billion. There is also talk for a Toowoomba to the Port of Gladstone link, which supporters would say would be cheaper and make better use of Gladstone's bigger port. According to King, if elected, Labor will be looking to talk to communities along the route to see some of the better options. What is the big drive here? Why inland rail? Why focus on this project? Hmm. I think uh, Labor's looking to, I think, target any LNP plan that's uh, currently in motion, like we've seen with the agricultural visa and just foreign policy in general. But focusing on the inland uh, rail, it's, you know, it's going to be costly, $14 billion, 2.8 just being for a tunnel that could be, you know, bypassed through the Toowoomba to Gladstone link. So, you know, it's all about targeting the LNP when they can and providing like a better kind of outcome for that. Um, Also, I think the big component is the community aspect, talking to local communities. I'm from Toowoomba and a big talking point around Pittsworth is how inland rail will affect local koala habitats. And there's actually a big outcry around that area regarding that issue. Let's move on to the Indigenous Voice referendum. Sarah, what is going on? Okay, so new data from the ABC's Vote Compass has revealed that Indigenous Voice to Parliament is at the forefront of Australian minds this election, with 72% of Australians supporting a referendum to establish the voice. The referendum, if successful, would establish an Indigenous representative body to advise Parliament on laws and policies affecting Indigenous Australians, but it does not have the coalition's support. While campaigning in Melbourne on Monday, Prime Minister Scott Morrison said it was not the coalition's policy to have a referendum on The Voice, instead pledging $31 million for new regional advisory bodies, which would be established through legislation. The From the Heart campaign, which created the 2017 Uluru Statement of the Heart, recognises legislation as one option for reform, but would rather the Australian people vote for it. The director of the campaign, Dean Parkin, believes there is a very strong case that there should be a commitment to a referendum in 2023. Okay, so we should probably start at the beginning here. None of us in this room are Aboriginal or Torres Strait Islander, that's right? Yeah. So we're not going to talk about specific impacts on that community because that's not a fair thing for us to do. But we should talk about the overall mechanics of this. Let's start with the referendum itself. 
Yeah. The history of referendums in this country is not great. It's not. So in Australia, we've had 44 referendums since 1901 and only eight of those have been successful, um, which isn't, it isn't a, a great success rate. Not a great strike rate. <laughs> no. no. <laughs> no. Um, so there is definitely, I think there's hesitation around referendums generally. They cost a lot. They're, they're d- very difficult to pass. And a really important part of referendums is educating the Australian community before um, initiating the referendums. What we're seeing from Labor and the Greens is more of a commitment to the referendum and to educating the Australian community on this issue before initiating the referendum. And those parties think that's important in trying to secure the success of this referendum if it were to happen. Yeah, so there's a few technical notes that go along with referendums. To get a referendum to pass, you need more than 50% of the primary vote to pass the referendum's first stage. To pass its second stage, you have to have a majority of states at 50% or more as well. For example, the last one that we had, the referendum on the Republic, that wasn't even close. That was a big disaster for the Republican movement. They're still trying to rebuild after that. This is why Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander leaders are taking a long view on this particular issue, because failing a referendum once is a big deal and it takes a lot of effort to get them off the ground. Yeah, definitely. Definitely have to proceed with caution if you're considering a referendum, I think. I just wanted to add a note at the end there. It's interesting to note that the words coming from the ABC are 72% of Australians support having a referendum from mm. the Vote Compass. Mm. That's that's what uh, the Vote Compass question asked. Do you support having the referendum? Mm. Not would you vote in favour? Yeah, and that yeah. is a big differentiation mm. you Very really got to keep in yep. mind. All right, let's move on. What's happening in Ryan with the bridge? Um, Harry. Uh, so uh, Greens and Labour candidates in the seat of Ryan have called for a new bridge in the Belbarry, Mogul region that was landlocked in the most recent floods. The seat is currently held by LNP member Julian Simmons, who has refused to discuss the issue during the election campaign. Earlier in the year, Simmons assisted stranded residents by organising supplies to be flown into the region by helicopter. Architect, urban planner and current Greens candidate for Ryan, Elizabeth Watson-Brown, said access to the Bill Bowery in Mogul region was a concern for the community this election, as they understand that they may again be cut off in future flood events. Labour candidate Peter Cossair also supports the bridge, saying he had spoken to voters about the possibility of a bridge replacing the Mogul ferry to Riverview, an additional bridge to the centenary suburbs. Alright, so what's the deal here? Why is this important? I think this is important um, probably to a few of our four triple Z viewers because it is in Ryan, um, an LNP held seat in Brisbane. The Greens have claimed that they're targeting Ryan this election. So um, it's, this, this story is really interesting because we're actually seeing that play out. This is, this is the action they're taking. So there is an economic split in Ryan. There's the more inner city areas which are filled with students around St Lucia and Indrapilly, but wealthier areas around places like Barden in the north, as well as all of the western suburbs of Brisbane, which are very well-heeled areas of the city. Mm-hmm. So how do you think that's going to play out? Well, I think like the the floods were a major problem in that area. Like They had to have a helicopter fly in to give in supplies. And, you know, just the history of floods in the southeast region. I can see a lot of voters kind of being for a bridge. And You know, the fact that Julian Simmons has yet to comment on the possibility of a bridge 
kind of shows a disconnect between, you know, the voters that uh, Peter Kosa is talking to, you know, compared to the voters that Simmons is imagining. All right. And now on to the last story. Oh, boy, this is a this is a cracker. What yes. have you got for us? This is a fairly funky one. So confusion has been sparked in the New South Wales seat of Hughes, as it appears the One Nation candidate, Narelle Seymour, may not exist. Not yet seen or heard, Seymour is one of seven candidates campaigning for the seat held by United Australia Party's Craig Kelly. The only public document about Seymour's candidacy is on the AEC's website confirming her eligibility to run for Parliament. According to to an AEC spokesperson, Hughes is enrolled to vote in a suburb of Wagga Wagga. However, a search of electoral rolls by the ABC revealed that only two women live in New South Wales have, uh, have that name. Both confirmed they are not running for One Nation. The next layer to our mystery candidate is that she shares a surname with another candidate running in the same seat. Independent candidate uh, for Hughes, uh, Linda Seymour, has called the situation outrageous. Both Linda Seymour and another independent, Georgia Steele, say their teams have failed to turn up any information regarding Narelle Seymour. This is just crazy. This is crazy Mm. stuff. (laughs) (laughs) To have a candidate (laughs) invisible in an election is... You know, it's not unheard of because it's hard as a candidate to get attention. It's rare that you see a candidate nominate, which costs money and effort and support, just to have them not campaign at all or be even visible in an election. No Facebook presence as well. There's no social media presence. No social media. Like, they're not even running for a small party. One Nation is well known. Like, Mm. this is... There's been a lot of things like this this election. It's very crazy stuff. But Mm. um, we should note that we don't absolutely know if this person doesn't exist. Mm. It could be that she does not know how to campaign at all. Mm. <laughs> yes. that, is, that is a distinct possibility. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, did, I did also read that Linda Seymour, the independent candidate, had a bit of a nightmare before this all came to light and no one had found Narelle. Um, she had printed lots and lots of Seymour 2022 stickers, which mm. are, which is pretty oh. funny now that they're both yeah. sitting next to each other on the ballot. Oh, mm. gosh. <laughs> oh, no. Well, this is the thing about elections. You may not know who your opponents are until you know who your opponents are. <laughs> Get your stickers in late. Okay, yeah. so <laughs> that is all the time that we've got for the podcast today. Thank you for listening to the 4ZZZ Breaks the Election podcast. For more news, head to 4ZZZ.org.au forward slash news or listen to 4ZZZ on 102.1 FM, on DAB Plus Digital Radio, via the 4ZZZ website or on your favourite podcasting app. If you have a tip-off or feedback about the show, please email us, newsroom at 4ZZZ.org.au and, of course, you can support this podcast and everything we do at 4ZZZ by subscribing and donating to the station, 4ZZZ.org.au forward slash support. Thank you, everyone. Catch you later. Thank you. Awesome. Thank you.